Good evening. We're so glad to have you online with us today for our time of Bible study on this Wednesday evening. I'm very sorry, as we all are, that we have not been able to gather in the house of the Lord on Wednesday evenings due to COVID-19. But hopefully, hopefully we will be back soon. So today we make the best of every bad situation and we come to you with our online Bible study and I hope you're tuned in today and got your Bibles and ready to hear the word of the Lord for just a few minutes here this evening. Let, let us go to the Lord in prayer this evening for those who need prayer. I, uh, I know there's several that need a touch of God. Of course, our world needs a touch of God. Our nation needs a touch of God. Remember Brother Austin Eubanks, he's doing somewhat better but needs our prayers. Brother and Sister Ship, they're very uh, in, much in need of prayer. Sister Oglethorpe, just got a lot of people. Continue to remember Erling Stanley who uh, went through COVID-19, was on a ventilator, is now recuperating. All of these things are so, so very needful. Uh, and there's just a lot of people that need a touch of the Lord in their lives Please pray for them. We're going to pray in just a moment and ask the blessings of God upon what we do here this evening and also upon those who are in need of prayer. So if you have a need today, while we pray, just believe God and God can take care of that for you. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come for, before you today. We know that you're the healer of every disease. We know that you take care of every problem. You're our problem solver. You're our counselor. You're our everlasting Father. We put ourselves into your hands today and we ask you, Lord, to do a work in us that only you can do. Let the presence and the power of God be upon us today. We believe your word and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. God bless you today. Thank you again for tuning in. And uh, let me say just a few things to you before I've been again our study this evening. First of all, don't forget to give. Giving is so important to keep the work of the Lord going. You've been very good over this time uh, of months now that has uh, plagued us and we have not been able to be at our normal and usual routine. And many of you have given online, you've mailed your checks in, you've brought your checks, you've given on Sunday and of course we gather here, we do gather here on Sunday at 10 o'clock. We try to be as careful as we possibly can. And so I want to encourage you to be back in the house of the Lord. We're social distancing. Most people are the best that we can. If you want to wear your mask, feel free to do that. There's hand sanitizer at the front of our church and all the doors, the entrances to our church. Uh, I invite you Sunday. We're, we're having a great church on Sunday. We are not having Wednesday evening service because we want to go from week to week until we get all of this under control. But don't forget to give. Give by, by text. You can text area code 318. The number is 301-3601. And you can text the word give, and it will, it will tell you exactly what to do there. And also, you can give online if you go to clcmonroe.org. There's a place there for you to give. Or you can mail your check to 6680 Frontage Road, Monroe, Louisiana, 71202. Thank you, and thank you to folks that are not even members of this church, that have given to this church, and you've helped us survive the, the COVID-19 virus, and uh, we're, we're doing what God wants us to do, and we're making the best of every situation, so thank you for that. 
May God richly, richly bless you. And I encourage you to be faithful with your giving. Just because there's things happening in our world doesn't mean that we cannot or we don't have to be faithful. We have to be faithful no matter what. We've often talked in the past about when the church shuts down, when the government shuts the church down, or the world shuts the church down, the church is not the building. The church is in us. And so we remain that way today. The church is people just like you who have been born of water and spirit. Let me take just a few moments today and, and remind you that we are in a brand new series called The Proving Ground. The Proving Grounds is uh, it's a very good book written by a man by the name of Kevin Gerald. And if you go on Amazon, you can find this and you can download it in Kindle or you can order the book. But uh, nevertheless, The Proving Grounds is a very good book and we, we're not taking all of everything that he says. We don't have time to do all of that, but we're going to hit the high points. Brother Rory introduced it so capably last Wednesday evening, and uh, he talked last week about how God uses tests and puts our faith in the proving grounds before he moves us forward in his plan. And just like the products that we use on a daily basis, they are proven before they can be used. Everything has to be proven. God uses tests. He uses tests. I don't believe God tips man, but God uses tests to prove his people. And every test has a question that it asks. If you pass the test, and I've said this often in my pastoral years, if you pass the test, then you don't have to take that test again more than likely. But if you don't pass the test, it's coming back to you again. Because there are many tests in life to see what we are and what we're made of and how we respond. You know, most of the things that we have trouble with is not our action, but our reaction. It's the thing that we react to. But today I want to talk about just a couple of those tests. And uh, go get the book if you want to follow along. It's a very good book, and you'll be glad you bought it because it's got great material in it. But this, this test that I want to talk about today is the test of small things. The test of small things. This test comes to prove your potential for bigger opportunities. It's, it, it's going to see how you handle, if I could use this word, the small stuff. If you handle the small stuff, you're in line to handle the big stuff. Matter of fact, the question is today, can you handle more? Can you handle more? How are you doing with small things in your life? In Luke chapter 16, Jesus healed a woman, and uh, our, let me go back. In Luke chapter 16 in the NIV, Jesus made a statement, and this is what he said. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little, little will also be dishonest with much. You'll find that in the 10th verse of Luke 16. And what Jesus is saying is, is if, if you are, are faithful over a few things, I'll make you and I'll put you in charge. I'll make you ruler over many things. I'll take care of you if you do the little things. You know, we, we have a generation, and I guess I'm dating myself now, but we have a generation that's coming on that thinks that everything ought to be given to them and everything ought to be handed to them, and many people feel that way. Well, let me just tell you something. You have to be faithful in small things in the world, on your job, 
and in the church and with God, faithful in small things, and God promotes and God gives you favor and God will give you the big things in life. If you want a story that would so uh, beautifully talk about what I'm talking about today, it's in the Old Testament and there's a man by the name of David and many of you are familiar with that story. David was just a shepherd boy. David was a nobody. Nobody had ever heard of David. David was just out on the backside of the desert tending his father's sheep. It, it came a time that David, practicing with that sling that he had, he got so good that he killed a bear and he killed a lion. He protected the sheep. David, David wasn't he wasn't in bright lights. He, there were no cameras around. There was no reporters around. David wasn't a fabulous movie star, and he wasn't a great athlete, but David, the Scripture calls him a man after God's own heart. And while nobody was watching David, God was watching David. God saw the heart of David. David wrote some of the most beautiful writings in all of the Scriptures, the Psalms, and he would sing, and he would play his harp. And he would glorify God. He was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. And you can go read the Psalms of David and find out today that David, he, he felt as every tree was God, every river was God, every mountain was God, every ocean was God. Everything was God to David. He was a God-glorifying young man. And God saw him. And God, God promoted him. It's, it's, it's a unique story. He went from the backside of a desert tending sheep to one day carrying food to his brothers who was in war. And when he stepped into the camp, the booming voice of Goliath got his attention. And, he, and the, the voice was saying, send me a man to fight. And of course, the story was that David put on Saul's armor and then took it off because it was too big and too heavy. But he went to meet Goliath. With nothing but a sling and five smooth stones. The scripture tells the story. David, just a shepherd boy, took that sling and hit the giant in the head. Put him on the earth. And the scripture says he goes over and he takes Goliath's own sword and cuts his head off. David rose to fame because he handled first the little things. It wasn't long before the crowds were chanting for David. And David ultimately became the king of Israel and a great man in history. Why? Because David handled small things. You got to go through the small things before you get to the big things. The first miracle of Jesus, it wasn't a great big miracle. It was just a Jesus was celebrating with a, a wedding party. And his mother comes to him and says, they're out of wine, and you can fix it. And I'm just paraphrasing now, but Jesus' mother imposed upon him. And Jesus, in his very first miracle, took just a little water and turned it into wine, insomuch that the crowd was saying, I wonder why the, the guests saved the best to last. Isn't that just like Jesus? Well, let me tell you, from that moment in his earthly ministry, it was raising dead. It was healing lepers. It was opening blind eyes. It was doing things that nobody had ever seen before. But it started small. Let me tell you this, this evening. 
that the small problems are opportunities. We, we cannot get to where we want to go tomorrow if we're trying to bypass the small things in our life and the small things that God wants to do in our life. It's what you do with what you have that proves your potential to be more for God. I've seen people that, that started by cleaning the church or, or sweeping the floors or mowing the lawn and God just keeps promoting and God keeps elevating them. You know, there's a scripture that says God can, can promote you or God can humble you. The Bible said, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. God exalts. He puts one down. He puts another up. So, so what I'm pre preaching to you and saying to you on this Wednesday evening is the proving ground, the test of small things. You know, experience is required sometimes. I've been a pastor for a long time now. I've been preaching almost 50 years. So I, I've, I've seen a lot of people that they, they want this job or they want to be this. Uh, some people want to perform, and if they're not in the eyes of everybody else, they're, they're really not interested in performing. They're really not interested in doing what they are called to do. But here's what I want to tell you. You do the things that nobody else wants. You do the things that God puts in your life. You use the abilities that you have. And I'm telling you that through the small things, God will raise you up into a mighty warrior and a mighty child of God to be used in his kingdom. Experience is sometimes required in the corporate world. In the corporate world, jobs are most often awarded to those who have experience and a proven track record and, and their ability uh, the way they've handled the job in the past or the way they, they've taken on problems and situations. That's the corporate world. Well, it operates the same way in the kingdom of God with God watching us to see what we are made out of, to see what we're going to do. You see, let me, let me say this to you today. It's not what we have that is most important. It's what we do with what we have. It's not if you can be a great singer or a great musician or a great orator or a great preacher or a great whatever. It's, it's, it's taking the abilities and the things of God in your life, whatever it may be. And everybody has something that God wants you to do. Everybody has something. You may be a prayer warrior. You may be a great host or hostess. You may be a usher or a greeter. You may be a van driver. You may be a Sunday school teacher. You may be a youth leader. I don't know, but everybody has something. But we start with whatever God wants us to start with. He gives us those abilities. And then as we move forward, our experience carries us into greater things with God. The people, the people who make the most of life's opportunities are always looking for ways to improve themselves. Think about that. The people who make the most out of life's opportunities are always looking for ways to improve themselves. What do you want me to do, pastor? What do you want me to do, boss man? What do you Let me tell you something. You want to rise in this world in the corporate world. You want to rise, do the best to your ability. And, and give it your best shot and, and work hard. And you know what? You will rise. You will rise to the top because if you pass the test of small things, God will see to it that you have big things. Here's some things that will help you. See your problems as opportunities. 
There's no problem that God can't solve. And there's no problem that we need to avoid. Roll up your, roll up your sleeves. There have been a many a time in the last 48 years that I've thought, well, maybe I can't do this. But let me tell you, I've always looked at, at, at the problems as opportunities and say, when I got my head screwed on right. And when I, when I got to thinking about the things of God, well, I can do this. Let, Here's another thing. Treat small opportunities as if they're your doorway to greater success and greater opportunities. Just step through every door. You don't start flying an airplane for Delta Airlines because you go out and apply at Delta Airlines. You start by training as a student pilot. A pilot now has to have hundreds of hours before he can even fly by himself. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying pass the small thing test. Show motivation in the small things and in everyday life. Don't be despondent. Don't say I'm a nobody. Just say, God, I can do whatever you want me to do. You want me to pray, I'll pray. You want me to be a witness, I'll be a witness. And quit making excuses for yourself. God has a purpose in your life. God, there's a purpose in your life. I want to say it again. Rick Warren wrote a great book that we did a study on one time in this church, The Purpose Driven Life. There's not a soul in God's kingdom that don't have a purpose. God has a purpose and a plan for you. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the book of Jeremiah and begin to read the book of Jeremiah, here's what God said, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for your life. Why don't you just say, God, it may be small, and it may look small to everybody else. Look, we have people in this church, and I could start naming them, that you'll never see them on this platform. You'll never see, let me tell you, we just buried a man just a couple of weeks ago that I don't know that I've ever seen him on the platform unless he come up here and stood with the board members. He, he, he was a quiet man. He was a good man. He was a pillar of this church. But let me tell you what he loved, and we talked about it at his funeral. He loved to come to chicken on a stick and cut up onions and put onions and, and meat and pickles on a stick. That's, he loved that. He loved, when we called a work day, I, I was at a work day just a year or two ago over at the family center when we were building this walkway. And I looked up, and who was there? Alvin Leach, 90 years old, 90 years old. He was there. He was there to do the small things. I never heard him sing a special. I don't ever remember him speaking behind this pulpit. But he was one of the greatest men that I've ever pastored because small things were so big to him. In the sight of God, they were big. And so I'm talking to you today. Do the small things. Do whatever it takes. Pick up your phone and encourage your brother. Be an encourager. Tell somebody today I'm praying for you. Get on Facebook and quit talking about garbage and talking about good things. Talk about good things of God. Talk about the goodness of the Lord in your life. Help somebody today. Be a, be a person that takes every problem as an opportunity and step into the realm where you can handle every small thing. Here's another test, very quickly. I'm only going to cover a couple here tonight. It's called the motivation test. First, the small thing test. Now, the motivation test. You could be doing the right thing with the wrong reasons. So this test challenges why you do what you do. 
You know, James said, James said that testing makes us strong. Go read the scriptures. Testing is a proving ground. So what is my motivation? The Lord gave strict, and this is where I was going while I was, the, the, the Lord gave strict instructions when he healed a woman. And he said to them, and he said, he said, don't go tell anybody what I've done. Don't, Jesus brought her back to life and, and, and said, don't go tell it. He was passing the motivation test. I'm not doing this to be a star. I'm not doing this for me. You see, ladies and gentlemen, our motivation has to be right. And when we have the right motivation and the right reason, I talked a couple of Sundays ago about why. Why do you do what you do? Why? Why are you involved in what you're involved in? The motivation. He gave strict orders in Mark chapter 5 not to let anybody know what he had done. I'm talking about Jesus. He said, give her something to eat. He brought the woman back. But his motivation was not to be famous. His motivation was to help people. Motivation, listen, is a matter of the heart. Motivation is a matter of the heart. The Bible said, above everything else, guard your heart because from your heart flows the issues of life. Everything you do flows out of here. So motivation is a matter of the heart. And, and, and we're not stuck with wrong motivations. Sometimes we all get wrong motivations, but we're not stuck with that. Don't stop doing right because you hadn't had the right motivation. Just go to God. You know, I'll be honest with you this evening. Sometime I go to God and I say this to God, I really do, whether you believe this or not. Lord, you check my heart to make sure I'm doing this for the right reasons, to make sure I'm in this thing for the right purpose, make sure I'm still interested in the souls that I'm talking to. Make sure it's still a heaven or hell issue with me. I don't ever want preaching to be just about a living. I don't ever want my ministry to be just about appeasing somebody or growing famous or having my, my name in bright lights or on a billboard. My motivation, my motivation comes from in here. And if I keep my heart right, then I may, I may at times have a motivation that comes along that says do this because of this. But if you pray and if you trust God, pay attention. Pay attention to the things you want to have in your heart. Pay attention because let me tell you something. Proverbs 4 verse 20 says this. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and help the one's whole body. You know what he's saying? Pay attention what's coming out of here. Don't, don't get sidetracked. Your motivations matter. Why do you do what you do? Why am I in this? Why am I providing this? Why am I ministering here? Why, why, why? Everybody has a motivation. Don't forget it. Some folks are doing it for themselves. Here's my question. Why do you go to church? Why do you go to church? Why do you pray? And let me ask you this. Why do some people only pray in public? Now, I want to I preface my remarks. I believe public worship and public prayer is important to God. I believe he taught that because in the scripture he said, when you pray, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees 
Because here's what their motivation was. They wanted everybody to know how spiritual they were. He said, when you pray, don't pray on the street corner and don't, don't pray in a loud voice. Don't, don't have vain repetitions. Don't, in other words, don't just pray so people can hear you pray. My mind goes back to the little boy that was kneeling by his dad. I heard the story many years ago, and he was kneeling by his dad, and uh, they were praying before they went to bed. And when they got through, dad looked down at his boy, and he said, son, I didn't hear you praying. He said, dad, I wasn't praying to you. Well, that's pretty good theory. But let me tell you something. You don't pray just so people can hear you. You pray because prayer is effective with God. So what is your motivation? Here's another one. Here's another one. Why do I give? Why do I give? Am I giving publicly so people will know why I give? It's a motivation. Or am I giving because I love God and I love his cause and I love his kingdom? You know what Jesus said? Go read it for yourself. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, when you give, when you give, you don't do it so that everybody will see you giving. He said, when you fast, don't fast and put on a little sad face where everybody will know you're fasting. In other words, what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount was there's a reason behind what you do. And it cannot be for personal gain. It cannot be for personal acclamation. It has to be because you're in love with God. I go to church because I love church. I want to tell you, if you've been missing church, you ought to get back because the power and the anointing of God is here when we go to church. I don't go to church just to be seen. I don't go to church just to go through the motions. I go to church because I love him and I want to serve him and I want to worship him. I give because I love him and I love his kingdom and I love his cause. I pray because I want him to know that he's the father of all things. I'm not praying to impress you. I'm not giving to impress you. I'm not preaching to impress you. Let me tell you something today. We, everyone needs to check our motivation. We need to know why we are doing what we are doing. Are you going to pass the test if God should come down right now and say, why are you doing that? If he should come down today and say, what's behind that? I wonder if you could say, Lord, it's because I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my soul. I love you with everything that is in me. Jesus himself could have been famous and could have been, he could have had his name strewn everywhere. He, he, all he would have had to done was say, go tell this to everybody. But he said, don't you tell anybody. And more than one time in the New Testament, Jesus did that. He'd heal somebody or, or fix somebody's problem and say, don't tell this. Don't go tell. I'm not looking for acclamation. I'm looking for the kingdom of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to be faithful in small things. I want to pass the test of small things. God, whatever you have me to do. My mind went back this morning. When I was studying some of this this morning, I, my mind went back to the times that I started evangelizing. I started preaching. Erlene and I started out at the ripe old age of about 19. And uh, we, well, actually, I was preaching at 18. And uh, we got married at 18. And and then by 19, we were, we were full-time evangelists. Let me tell you something. We learned about small things. 
We learned about small things. We learned what small things were all about because the first year, not the first month, not the first six months, the first year that I was married and evangelized, I made $3,200. And we were paying car notes, had a little travel trailer, paying travel trailer notes and paying insurance and, and, and trying to live. We, we learned a little bit about small things. But let me tell you, he said, if you're faithful over small things, I'll, I'll, I'll put you in charge of bigger things. That's what... That's what Jesus promised his own disciples. And we just were faithful. We just kept preaching and kept singing and kept praying and kept pushing. And we went to churches. I, I, I preached to five or six people. I preached to hundreds of people and thousands of people. I, I, preached in, I preached in all kind of places in the last 48 years. But let me tell you, it didn't start this way. Somebody, somebody said something the other, well, not too long ago. And they said something, well, well, what about what are all these things that, that you've had? Let me tell you, I, I will never make an apology for the blessings of God in my life because you don't know where I came from. And you don't know what God's done in my life. And that's the same way with anybody. I've seen people that were, would come into the church poor as Job's turkey, but they passed the test. They passed the small thing test. They passed the motivation test. You know why I'm here? It don't matter if I got a dollar or a dime or $10,000. I'm here to serve God. I'll love him to the day I die. I'll give him my very best. And when God starts putting blessings, you know, the carnal mind can't understand that when you pass the test, God pours out blessing. God pours out wonderful things in your life. When you're carnal, you don't understand that. But the Bible said, give and it shall be given. That's, that's a blessing. Press down, shaking together, running over. That's a blessing. When you pass the small test thing, God elevates you. The first thing you know, you're looking back and wondering how you got past that. But now you're in a new elevation and you're moving up in God. And by the way, you never quit growing and you never quit taking tests and you never quit moving forward. Pass that small thing test and pass that motivation test. Why am I giving today? Why am I here? Why am I worshiping? Why am I singing? Why am I playing? Why am I ushering? Why am I giving to the things of God? The credibility, the credibility will come when your motivation is I'm doing it because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's just a short Bible study. I'm not keeping you long tonight. There'll be more to come. There'll be other things we'll talk about. But you just remember this. I have to pass the test of small things. And I have to pass the test of motivation. God knows your heart. He knows where you are. Don't gripe and don't complain. Give God your very best. I hope that helps you this evening. Just a little quick word of the Lord on a Wednesday evening. I hope that gives you something to think about and pray about and work on today. If you're not a member of CLC, I invite you to come and worship with us. You'll find a church home here. I'm telling you, there's few and far between, if any ever, that can compare with what God has blessed us with here at 6680 Frontage Road. We love you all. We look forward to Sunday. I'll be preaching here on Sunday at 10 o'clock. I hope you'll come. And you'll do the things that the governor says we need to do. And you'll come ready to worship and magnify God. I love you all. God bless you. In Jesus' name, have a great evening.